Good morning. That's good. Happy Mother's Day. This is the day that our country has chosen to honor mothers. Uh, but before I begin with what I would like to share with you, I want to recognize that uh, today, for many people, is a hard day. Um, we rightly extol mothers and celebrate what they've done for us and the role they've played in our lives, but it's also true that there are many people that struggle on this day. Um, there are people I know um, that would very much like to be a mom that, for whatever reason, are not able to be that. Um, it's a sad day for some people because they think about their mother, and yet their mother has passed on, and so it's a little sad. Um, I've known students who, um, that I've met along the way in life, and they are adopted, and they've never met their mom, their birth mom, and it haunts them. And on Mother's Day, it's a little sad for them. And so I think it's proper to recognize that. And before I plunge into what I'd like to share with you from Scripture, I'd be honored if you would allow me to pray a, a special prayer for those whose hearts are a little hurt uh, today, in addition to the celebratory nature of this particular day. So if you'd be so kind as to pray with me, I would be grateful. Lord, we gather today to worship you, to honor and praise you, knowing that in our culture it's a special day where we recognize mothers. And in the midst of the cards and the flowers and the gifts and the uh, packed restaurants later on this afternoon, um, there are many people for whom today is hard. And Lord, we lift them up to you today, asking a special dose of your presence would animate their life. Pray that you would um, help them to know how deeply they are loved. Help them, Father, to get through a difficult day. I pray, Father, that uh, there would be better days ahead for those whose hearts hurt uh, because of the memories and the emotions that are stirred up by this day. May we always be mindful of them and always remember that not everyone sees the world and its people through the same lens that we do. So, Father, we praise you as a God of mercy, as a God who is close to the brokenhearted. Be with those who this day are a bit brokenhearted. We pray these things as a church family, and together we say, Amen. Well, we are grateful you're here this morning. Uh, in particular, if you're uh, one of those moms, you might have received a gift that looks like this. If you've not yet done that, I'm confident someone will give you that. Um, I, I, I'm new here, and so I don't know if this is an every Mother's Day tradition that you get a little gift like this. Um, I do plan tomorrow at the staff meeting to suggest that on Father's Day, all the fathers be giving a barbecue gas grill. <laughs> we'll see how that goes over. I don't have a lot of confidence that it will work out that way. But I'm going to suggest it because my mom told me long ago, it never hurts to ask. <laughs> and, you know, um, it's a difficult thing to talk about moms in some way. Um, and so that's why uh, not long ago, a television station uh, in honor of Mother's Day asked a group of nine-year-old boys to describe their mother in one word. So what one word would you use to describe your mom? Here are some of the answers that nine-year-old boys gave. And I'm not sure what these answers say about moms or about nine-year-old boys, but here we go. One nine-year-old boy, here's the one word he used to describe his mom. Kind. He said, my mom is kind. Another young man said, well, my mom is old. <laughs> but then again, when you're nine, you know, 15-year-olds appear old. <laughs> At any rate, uh, another young man said, my mom is a girl. 
very nice. And then another nine-year-old, very wise, very insightful, thought about it and pondered it, <clears throat> and then said this, mean. <laughs> but then again, when you're a nine-year-old boy and you're asked to brush your teeth or go to bed, it always seems a bit mean. And finally, another uh, nine-year-old boy kind of thought about it for a moment and gave this word to describe his mom. <laughs> I'm sure he meant height <laughs> rather than width but that's what nine-year-old boys tend to think of. And today, because it is Mother's Day, it reminds us that when we think of moms and mothers, we tend to think of positive things. Uh, a lot of really wise people have said this and that about moms. So, for example, here's a quotation from uh, an author named Susan Gale. She said this, Mothers are like glue. Even when you can't see them, they're still holding the family together. Another well-known figure, uh, Princess Diana uh, from Great Britain, had this to say about moms. A mother's arms are more comforting than anyone else's. So it's true. We tend to think of positive things when we think of moms. But can we be honest with each other for a moment? The reality is some moms are crazy. <laughs> some moms are just out there. And you look at what they say and do, and you just scratch your head and say, what were you thinking? Really? You did that? Uh, you might recall several years ago down in Texas, there was a mother who loved her daughter. Her daughter was trying out for a spot on the cheerleading team at the local high school, but uh, her daughter had a rival, and the mom thought that her rival would take the one spot that her daughter might be able to get on that particular cheerleading team. And so this mom, who loved her daughter and would do anything for her daughter, hired a hitman to assassinate the mother of the rival, thinking that in such distress and distraughtness that the rival would withdraw her tryout for the cheerleading team and allow the daughter to make the team. I'm happy to say that the plot was found out and no assassination occurred. But when I read that, I thought to myself, what are you thinking? But in the Bible, there are crazy moms. I mean, honestly. <laughs> There are some crazy moms, and today I want to introduce you to two of those crazy moms. You met them earlier in the scripture that was read, but I want to drill down into that for a moment. So if you have a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, or you can follow along on the screen, I want to introduce you to our first crazy mom. It's in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We read earlier about this particular woman. She is a Levite, and historians of the Jewish faith tell us that at this time, Levite men and women were among the most devout of all of the Jews. And so this woman is probably a very devout person. But her name, what we find from other genealogies elsewhere in the Bible, is Jacobet. In fact, actually, here's some trivia. Her name, Jacobet, the root there is Yahweh, which means God. She's the first woman recorded in the Bible to have the name of God, Yahweh, in the Hebrew, as a part of her name. Now, later on, other people will have that, but she's the very first one. And what she does is crazy. She takes her three-month-old child, puts it into a basket made of reeds and tarred together, and puts it in the Nile River and pushes it away. Who does that? I mean, that has got to be at least a misdemeanor, if not a felony, in all 50 states. What are you thinking? But when you, again, look at this a little more closely, you realize that this would have been a very difficult thing. The first chapter of Exodus, the background for this story, tells us that the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, there in Egypt because of famine, had grown so populous 
that the Egyptians were afraid of them. And so Pharaoh had issued an edict that said any Hebrew boy that was born was to be killed. Now imagine you're Yakobet. You've given birth to what the text tells us is a fine child. But the clock is ticking. The Egyptians are going to come for your child. Can you imagine the stress in her life? Can you imagine what any mom would think? And then as she hid the child for three months, can you imagine how each day that passed, she's worried about someone discovering her child, snatching the child away, and throwing the child into the Nile River and killing the child? Can you imagine that as a mother? Now, there are many mothers today in Ukraine that are worried about their kids because of the upheaval and the war and the bombs that are falling on that country. This is a woman who, in many ways, is desperate. And what she does to us seems to be so crazy. Who does this? But I think that she doesn't do this out of craziness or desperation. I think that she does this for other reasons. Her name, Yaqabed, means God is glory. In fact, in the mentioning of her in Hebrews chapter 11, we're told that by faith she hid her child, whom we know as Moses, for three months. It was by faith that she put him into that basket and sent him on his way. And it's interesting, at the very end of this text, in verse 4, it talks about how this young man's sister, whom we know later as Miriam, is watching to see what happens. You see, I don't believe Jacobet is crazy. Or if she is crazy, she's crazy like a fox. Jacobet, I think, has great faith. And I think from her, as a crazy mom, all of us today can learn that sometimes faith in God means letting go. Because when she put that child in the basket, as she kissed him and tucked him in and maybe made sure that whatever clothing there was with blankets were all tucked under there, and as she handed the basket to Miriam, who stood in that river, and as she watched the basket go down, she was letting go of her son. She didn't know what would happen. She had no way of knowing the rest of the story, that Pharaoh's daughter would find this child and raise the child as her own. She had no idea whether she would see this child again or not, but she let go. You know, oftentimes in our life, I think we believe that faith is a very simple thing. What I've learned in my 57 years on this earth is that faith is a complex thing and that it means many different things. And Yacobed reminds me today, this crazy mom, that sometimes faith occurs when you let things go. <laughs> Look, I've been teaching college for 33 years now. Every fall, or, or in this case, because we start so early at Oklahoma Christian, every early August. Wait, we start classes on August 4th this year. I know. I come from a state where we typically start after Labor Day. Time in. The point I'm making is this. Every fall, I help the new students move into the dormitories. And I remember vividly so many times over my teaching career that as I'm taking boxes in and doing this and that, these parents are just hanging on their kids, and they find it hard to let their kids go. And they're letting their kids go to a Christian university. And so the fact of the matter is, for many parents, it's really hard to let your kid go. One of my former students, he married a fine young lady. I actually officiated their wedding on January 1st, 2000. It's very easy to remember your 
wedding anniversary if you get married on January 1st, 2000. How long have you been married? 22 years. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets married, you go on a honeymoon and come back. Well, his mom and dad are living in that town. And his mom had a little hard time letting go. All right? By the way, if you have any sons or daughters, don't do this. So what would happen is this. Every morning he'd wake up and he'd kiss his wife goodbye and he'd get in his car and he'd drive to his mom's house. And his mom would hand him his lunch that she had packed for him. And then he would drive on to work. Now do me a favor, raise your left hand if you think that's a good idea. That's what I thought. The young lady he married, another one of my students, put her foot down and that lasted for about four days. Then she said, this is not happening. But the mom, bless her heart, had a hard time letting go. And I wonder as I stand here before you, if we really understand the spiritual principle that's told to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. The first verse of Ecclesiastes 3 tells us there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And then a bit later in verse 6 it says, a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. For three months it was a time to keep. And then the day came when Jacobed, in deep faith, let go. Let go. And I'm sure she prayed. Prayed hard. I'm sure she lay awake at night after that particular incident. But I believe that in our lives, oftentimes we have to recognize that sometimes real faith can be demonstrated when you let go. And I'm wondering what it is in your life today that you need to let go so that that shows your faithfulness to God. Might be your kids. Might be some of your money. Might be some of your time. It might be fill in the blank. But this crazy mom who does something today that we would look at and think, what are you thinking? I think teaches us something deep about faith. So that's crazy mom number one. Jacobet. But there's another mom in this story as well. Let's meet someone else, shall we? Meet Hatshepsut. Here she is in all of her glory. She's very well preserved for her age. <laughs> now, it's interesting, in the account in Exodus that we read, this daughter of Pharaoh is unnamed. We don't really know who she was. But historians have done some digging into the history of the nation of Egypt and tried to match up that nation's history with what we read in the Bible. And in all the research I did in preparation for this, it seems that many scholars believe that this particular person, Hatshepsut, would probably be, or at least could make a good case, that this is the woman referred to in Exodus chapter 2 as Pharaoh's daughter. Now, Hatshepsut is quite a character. We know from historical records that she was strong-willed. We also know that she became one of the most effective pharaohs of Egypt. In fact, this woman later on became pharaoh of Egypt at a time when that was unheard of. Women just didn't do that. In fact, actually, if you want to get technical, she wore a fake beard. <laughs> Not to pass herself off as a man, but to fully embrace the typical garb worn by the Egyptian pharaoh. She was a very powerful woman. Pretty impressive. Now, when you understand that story of what she turned out to be as an adult, what we're about to read in Exodus chapter 2, makes a little more sense. Back to Exodus. Well, you know the story. It was read for you a moment ago. She goes with her entourage to the Nile River to bathe, okay? 
And as she's doing that, lo and behold, she sees this basket among the reeds. The basket is retrieved, and you know the rest of the story. But wait a second. This is crazy. She's Egyptian. She's Egyptian royalty. Her father is the one that issued the edict that says, let's kill some Jewish babies. And here she is, one of them into her palace home? Who does that? That, at the time, would have been crazy. And so I look at this action and I think to myself, what in the world is going on? She's defying her father's order. She's running the risk of mixing royal blood with this kid who's certainly not of royal blood. And she's doing something that at the time would have been seen as absolutely crazy. Now, we know from history that Hatshepsut was not a follower of God. But do you see how God is using her for his purposes? Do you see that? And when I think about this story, I think this crazy mom has another thing to teach all of us today. You see, I think that Hatshepsut shows us that sometimes compassion means going beyond your responsibility. You see, that day when she went to the Nile to bathe, she wasn't looking to find a child. She was just looking to bathe. But when she saw this child in this reed basket floating down the Nile, she had compassion. You see, I think it was compassion that drove her to take that child out of the river. It wasn't to poke her father in the eye. It was compassion. And if our faith means anything, it means that we are to be people of compassion. It means going beyond your responsibility. You see, it's one thing to say, well, I'm compassionate. But for many of us, our compassion is tempted to stop right here where our responsibility stops. But so many times in Scripture... The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about going the extra mile. When he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, we see someone who's going beyond responsibility. So I teach at Oklahoma Christian University. It's a big, broad, relatively flat expanse of 200 acres. And because it's Oklahoma, stuff blows in all the time on my campus. You know, water bottles blow in and pieces of newspaper and paper and bits of trash. And when I walk around that campus, I'll often reach down And I'll pick up a piece of trash, and I'll walk over to a trash can and put it in the trash can. Well, somebody saw me do that the other day, and they said, why are you picking up trash, Brian? That's that guy's job. And he pointed to one of our physical plant people over off to the side who was running a a trimmer. And I said, I don't know. I just got in the habit of picking up trash. I don't share that with you to say, hey, look at me. I share that with you to say, there are so many little ways in our life We can do something that goes beyond our responsibility. And by the way, if you were in our Bible class this morning, you heard one of our shepherds, Danny, talk about what this church family did 23 years ago when the worst tornado in history rolled through this part of the metro area. And you heard what for me was a very moving story of how this church family showed compassion by going beyond your responsibility. It's a wonderful story. If you were here, you know that story better than I do. But if you weren't here at that time, I hope that Danny finds a way to share that with the broader congregation, because it's inspiring. And so this mom, this Egyptian mom who doesn't really know God, most likely, and may even have been at odds with these Jewish people that do know and love God, God uses her in the unfolding story of Moses. But her motherhood 
reminds me that compassion means you go beyond your responsibility. Here's what that looks like. One final story. So a guy goes to a grocery store in Alabama. I think it's a Piggly Wiggly, which is a a timeout. Piggly Wiggly? If you're from the South and you know why they call those grocery stores Piggly Wiggly, can you explain that to me after services? Time in. So this guy goes to the Piggly Wiggly, locks his car keys in his car. So this 13-year-old kid is sitting on his bicycle. And you know how oftentimes adults are a little bit intimidated and scared by kids that, you know, kind of look sketchy. This kid's dressed in black. He's on his bicycle, one of those low-riding bicycles like this. And the kid says, what happened, mister? The guy's like, ah, I locked my keys in my car. Kid's like, ah, call your wife. He's like, yeah, my cell phone's right there in the passenger seat, locked in the car. So the kid takes out his cell phone and he says, hey, call your wife. I'll bike to your house and get your car keys. And the guy's like, I live seven miles from here. The kid's like, call your wife. Tell her I'm going to pick up the car keys. Now, how many of you would give a strange 13-year-old kid your car keys, or your, 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 your address at that point? He did. Calls his wife, said there's a 13-year-old kid on a bike coming to get the car keys. 13-year-old kid hops on his bike, seven miles one way, picks up extra set of keys, comes back to the Piggly Wiggly, hands them to the guy. The guy opens the car door, and he turns around, and the kid is gone. In fact, actually, the way the story is told when I read about it, the guy said, and the kid rode off into the sunset like John Wayne. <laughs> hey, by the way, for those of you in this group, John Wayne, a very well-known American actor. <laughs> but that 13-year-old kid, in that moment, demonstrated compassion beyond his responsibility. It's not his job to get bail out this guy, but he did it. And, you know, God rewards Faith that lets go. God rewards compassion that goes beyond responsibility. If you know the rest of the story, Yachubed is reunited with her son Moses, and she is able to raise him in the halls of Pharaoh's palace. You heard what I talked about a moment ago with Hatshepsut's story. She becomes Pharaoh of Egypt. Do you think that was by accident? Or could it be that God was moving even in the life of this person who had no idea who God really was? And so, as I wrap this up this morning... I just can't help but wonder who might be blessed because you show faith by letting go. And who might be blessed when you show compassion beyond responsibility. That's the heritage of this church family that stretches back 23 years and more. And that, I think, is what God calls us to do. And I think it's appropriate on Mother's Day that we recognize some moms are crazy, but they can teach us so, so much. By the way, speaking of compassion beyond responsibility, that's what Jesus' sacrifice was for us. And so for those of you that are new or visiting, what we do each Lord's Day is we remember the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ by sharing together as a family some emblems that call us to remember that. And the way we do that here is to make space in this worship service for that to happen Next, And so we'll pray together, and then we'll take the communion and remember what Jesus has done for us by showing compassion that goes beyond responsibility.